This episode of Geek Loves Nerd is brought to you by DrawYouAPicture.com, where you can get me, your host, to draw you something, just about anything, logos, Christmas cards, beach towels, for pretty darn cheap. Check it out, DrawYouAPicture.com, see what I've done for others, see what I could do for you. Never done a beach towel. Also brought to you by GoToMeeting.com and GoDaddy, where the code PODNAME121 can save you on your next domain name. Check that out, too. Save you some bucks. Geek Loves Nerd, trying to find something in common since 1996. We don't have much in common, just our kids and our address. But we get along fine, and that's what I'm impressed with. So join us for our podcast every week. Geek Loves Nerd. Yeah. Hey, how you doing out there, podcast people? This is Geek Loves Nerd, show number 67, brought to you the week of February 11th, 2010. I'm your host. My name is James. I'm the geek. And my name's Jen. I'm the nerd. She's a co-host. I'm the host. She's a co-host. No, I'm the host and you're just around. I'm around? Are you trying to say I'm fat? No. Okay. I'm just saying you're here. Well, welcome to Geek Loves Nerd, where we're trying to find something in common since 1986. We're a married couple. We've been that way for quite a while. Probably too long. Yeah, um, I agree. We had a couple kids, and I'm a a gamer podcasting nut. She is a a left brain uh, accounting type. And uh, every week we get together and uh, sit down and record a show where we try to help uh, people stay married or at least enjoy it more or uh, learn how to handle their kids as we learn to handle ours. We're far from experts on anything, so take it with a grain of salt and pepper. So, um, yeah, what's been going on in your life there, there hunky-dory? Um, our son. Yeah. Uh, the two-year-old. Mm-hmm. He assaulted a nursery worker. Oh, I didn't know we were going to talk about that. Is that okay to say it? I don't think so. Hold on one second. You always do this. You have to talk into the front of it. There you go. Oh, sorry. There you go. See how much better that sounds? That is better. Anyway, uh, he assaulted a nursery worker. Can you break it down for the people what that means? Well, apparently he was very upset that I left him with the at the nursery. Mm-hmm. And um, he did not want to be held by whoever was holding him. And he kind of lashed out at them. Ooh. Why did you say ooh? Well, what does lashing look like? I think he just hit them with their, his fist. <laughs> I heard there was there was slappage. I mean, like there was red marks and stuff. I don't know. I wasn't there. I was horrified, though. Oh, gosh. I, I, I heard there was. I heard there was slappage and uh, flat-handedness going mm. on. Not so much punching. And, and we know why, right? We, did we explain why? Mm-mm. Yeah. What, what it was is we dropped him off for... Um, regular nursery duty. And then uh, he was dedicated to Jesus during a special ceremony in our main sanctuary that Sunday. And as soon as he was dedicated to Jesus, we took him back to the nursery. Of course, I'm being a little facetious. It's a ceremony. It's pretty typical with uh, Christian folks. Uh, you take the baby up, and um, some churches dedicate the child. Others uh, dedicate the parents to raising the child according to their belief structure. And, of course, that's that's where our church kind of leans, where it's a commitment not only to, from us to the child, but from the congregation to the child. Um, so it's pretty cool. It was pretty meaningful. Mm-hmm. So as soon as he was, uh, quote-unquote, dedicated to Jesus, we drop him off the nursery, and he has a devil of a hissy fit. Mm-hmm. So made us proud as brand-new um, parents. Mm-hmm. I mean, brand-new pastors at the old church. Yeah. Oh, and word's already gotten around. Oh, really? <laughs> Somebody said something to me the other day. Oh, so, really? Yeah. What did they say? I want to know. They just said, uh, we, I heard about the incident in the nursery. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I heard, there he is, our PK, living up to uh, the pastor kid um, uh, expectations there of being a demon child. So, anyway, we I, I stared him down later that day, looked square in his eyes, and he didn't want to look at my eyes. Mm-mm, he he saw, like to. He saw fire in those eyes, and I told him, you don't hit mommy, you don't hit daddy, you don't hit Jenna, and you don't hit teachers. In the nursery. 
and he got the point. And why did I start with dads and Jenna and all that? Because people he knows, and I wanted him to take and connect that to other people mm-hmm. outside of his family because he'd never do that to us. Mm-mm. Kick, scream, but never slap. No, I don't think he would. But he was really mad. I mean, and, and, you know, we probably shouldn't have put him back in. But, probably not. But even so, my thing is, Jen was feeling kind of guilty about it. I was like, no, um, he needs to learn how to act no matter what. Because his life's going to be full of junk he don't want to do. Right. Lord knows, every day when I come home, something I don't want to do is walk through that door. What? Oh, sorry. Sorry. Gosh, yeah. did I say that out loud? Oh, no. We're oh. going to have to strike the whole episode. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah. Uh, Jenna Jenna went around, and she's got this habit of doing this around major holidays, but uh, she decorated our house for Valentine's Day. Specifically, I don't know why she chose light switches. <laughs> she did that with the pumpkins, too. Yeah, but she has this thing, where, and she did it around <laughs> Halloween. She cut out these little hearts and colored them and pasted them on our light switches, our light switch covers mm-hmm. in our bedroom and then upstairs here. And I just took little pieces of tape and, and put about five or six some odd uh, hearts. I've got a picture up on um, on uh, Geek Loves Nerd at geeklovesnerd.com. You can check it out. I'll probably link to it in the show notes. But it's really cute. And it, I actually took a fo- picture of it with my phone, my Palm Pre, and uh, so I uh, set it as my wallpaper. It's mighty cute. It is cute. But I don't understand it. I don't either. Halloween, there was tiny pumpkins on my light switches. <laughs> yeah, now there's tiny hearts. It was scary. So they were nice. And she calls. She gets Thanksgiving and Valentine's Day confused. And really? No, I haven't that. heard that. She calls it Thanksgiving sometimes when she means Valentine's Day. Hmm. I don't know why they're so very different. Special needs. Who knows? Everybody's got a special need of some kind, and that's hers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we also got to uh, last. Was it last week? Last week, this past weekend, we drove to um, Lakeland, Florida, and we met up with the young lady that does our uh, intro voice. Mm-hmm. The other Jen. Yeah, the uh, we met up with Radio Jen, who works uh, for a local radio station. She currently lives in Singapore. Um, and it was just kind of a random happenstance. Uh, I had hired her. I think I met her through Twitter, through a common podcast person. And uh, I, ha- I heard her talking about what she does. I hired her to do some voiceover work. Um, a the the only thing close to scandalous about the whole thing is uh, a middle schooler once emailed in on the show. You, if you've listened through all the shows, you heard that episode where somebody just randomly asked if I w- if Jen was jealous of this lady's voice mm-hmm. in my show. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, we kind of laughed because the girl lives in Singapore and she's you know not she's not old, but she's definitely not within the age range you know of the people I habitually cheat on Jen with. But um bunch. That means joke, just in case you're old or go to my church. Um, so anyway, we met her, and, and it was really cool. She's a cool lady. She's a lot shorter than I thought she'd be. Mm-hmm. She's like my height, probably. But that's the way it is with radio people. You hear their voices. And you get an idea that think, they're tall. Yeah, yeah, they must be. And then you meet them, and they're short. But we took pictures. I'll probably put a picture up on the website. I got to because I took it with my phone. Actually, a lady took it. Mm-hmm. She took like seven. Because if you hold down the space bar on the Palm Pre while it's taking pictures, it will approximately every one second, it will take a picture. Oh, so it's like. So I could make an animated GIF out of all the pictures that lady took. Wow. And half of them are blurry. So it would mm. have motion blur. Wow. Yeah, like Pixar. It's awesome. We got to see the uh, The college. space shuttle. No. Oh, yeah, we got to see the college that I went to. It's It looks awesome. It looks like um, a resort. It did. It looks like Disney World. And it looked like a prison camp when you went there. It, it was. It, 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 it all the buildings like were white concrete block. Yep. And they were real dirty. All the people were white, too. Mm-hmm. I hear that's not the case anymore. Concrete block. So, hip hip hooray for them. That's what the that's what the guy uh, the the new president the year I came that's what he wanted he wanted a a university and he wanted diversity mm-hmm. so he got a uni un diversity that's right I successfully mm-hmm. merged those two words not really but yeah speaking of merging two words here's three words merged into one go to meeting <laughs> hey have you ever had to meet with colleagues colleagues that's clients and colleagues mixed together. If you ever meet, had to meet with them face to face, the problem is you have a tight budget. And business travel is expensive, time mm-hmm. and, and it's time consuming. That's right. That's why I recommend doing more and traveling less by going 
and holding online meetings with GoToMeeting. For just $49 a month, you can hold as many meetings as you want. It's so easy. You'll have your first meeting up and running in seconds. I use GoToMeeting. You should use GoToMeeting. You can collaborate with colleagues and clients. Saves you time and money. You can try GoToMeeting free for 30 days, but you must visit GoToMeeting slash podcast. That's GoToMeeting.com slash podcast for a free 30-day trial. Thank you, GoToMeeting. And also, thank you, Dean Piercy, for your continued support of Geek Loves Nerd. If you'd like to sponsor an episode of Geek Loves Nerd, go to GeeklovesNerd.com. Click on Donate, and and any uh, donation of $5 or more will get you your own show dedicated just to you. Thank you, Dean, and thank you, future supporters of Geek Loves Nerd. Everybody's doing it. That's you, right. Yeah. If Dean does it, everybody should do it. Yeah, that's right. He doesn't even live in our country, and he does that's it. That's right. So thank you. Thank you for your foreign cash. Hey, um, let's talk a little bit about something real quick. This is our main topic today. We usually announce that at the front end, but I didn't really know what I wanted to title it. So let me read the email that spawned this uh, conversation, and then we'll have it. This is from Emma in CT. Is that Connecticut or mm-hmm. Cat? Connecticut. Misspelled. Okay. Hey, James and Jen, I just wanted to say hi. And ask my own question for the Ask Jen segment, although it's really for both of you. It's not just for you. James, see, and then she addresses me. I know you were raised in a pretty hardcore Christian family. Hardcore is a understatement. And Jen, I remember you mentioning something along those lines. Because you know how hardcore your family is about everything Mm -hmm. they do. My family is hardcore. They are extremely emotional people. They're extreme. Uh, My question is, how have your family's legalistic views affected your own faith? And how you share it with others. Well, basically, we don't share our legalisms with others. But uh, was there ever a rebellious period in your life? Um, yeah, yesterday at noon, um, <laughs> I had some chips. Uh, when you were questioning your faith. Anyway, you guys have a great show, and your viewpoints often make me think. And both of you are an inspiration to me. Thanks, Emma. First of all, I'd like to apologize that your life is so bad that we're an inspiration. That is so true. But uh, seriously, Sorry, I appreciate Emma. it. Appreciate it. My wife, I can understand being an inspiration. Me, on the other hand, I worry. Matter of fact, when, when people come to me and they say, oh, well, our kids just love you. Children's pastor, you are so awesome. I tell them, see, that's what happens when you don't raise them right. Mm-hmm. They, it's they, true. they take heroes like me. So um, let's see. Let's take it step by step here. Let's address, first of all, her, her assumption that our parents were hardcore Christians. Um, I, I, I know Jen, Jen's folks listen to the show. Not really. No? I don't know. All right. So I'll leave it up to you what level you tarnish your own relationship with your family. But I can plainly wow. say, since half my family's dead, uh, both both stepdad and father, mm-hmm. um, I can only offend half of my parents. That's right. Only your mother. Actually, no. One third. Mm-hmm. Do you count fathers as two thirds? I don't know. I don't know how it goes down. Well, it would work if you She had... only married him one at a time. If you had like a stepmom too, then you'd have two moms and two dads, and then it would, it would be, be fair. Twenty five percent per, but fifty percent per mom. So, oh, for gosh. I don't know. I don't either. Anyway, move on. Point being that in my family there was the outward appearance of hardcore Christianity, not the evidence of it. Um. So, and and Jen and I's uh, families came from two different extremes, I would say, of religiosity, Mm -hmm. where my folks started off Baptist and pretty reserved, uh, definitely shifted toward the more charismatic, extreme Pentecostalism, you know, outward signs, wonders. Handling snakes. Uh, No, not that bad. Not that bad. Although, although. Although what? I would probably prefer that at times. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever been to a church that snakes were involved? Hey, I was a 10. Snakes were cool. Oh, and you could have like I didn't think about the them? spiritual element. I just could have uh, handled a snake. And that would have been fun. And purely Kinda like going to the zoo. Interest. Not mm-hmm. trying to prove any deep faith. I would have yeah, it would have been cool to see a snake. Mm-hmm. Up close. I would have been worried had I been mature enough to know that they had no formal training with said reptiles. Mm, that's very scary. But uh you yeah. don't just really grab a snake. No, you shouldn't. Not a good plan. Um, but if you're a snake handler, I just want to be very cautious and not offend you, even though you're a stupid moron. Oh, my gosh. If they know how to do it, it's okay. Um, in church? Oh, I thought you were talking about snake handlers by profession. No. Oh. They they are just morons, not stupid. They, <laughs> they've been trained to do something very, very moronic. <laughs> I think it's cool. <laughs> yeah. Um. And on my side of it, I was raised Baptist. 
um, a pretty much traditional Baptist, not Southern Baptist, um, all the way through my childhood. Yeah. And your grandmother's, is she Methodist? Lutheran. Lutheran. Mm-hmm. Okay, I get all those Rens and Ests mixed but up. But really, I mean, Lutheran and Baptist are not too terribly different. No. In the South, it's a little bit different, but all those kind of mainstream Lutheran, Baptist. Um, okay. I like the way Lutherans do uh, communion. How do they do it? I don't have to touch anything. Oh, were they? Do you, it's like self, It's like a self-serve buffet. Mm. You just walk up. Stick your tongue out, and they they, they hook you, you up with the body of Christ. It's awesome. Yeah, I went to one church where you drank real wine. Woo-hoo. I think that was Episcopal. Mm. It's really exciting. Anyway, now, now I know why people church hop. Mm-hmm. It's like the best of both worlds. Yep. It's like Hannah Montana. But yeah, I had never been exposed to any kind of um, Pentecostal church. And then she met me, and I was so on fire for Jesus. You were so Pentecostal. Not at all. No, but um. Anyway, okay, so the effect, the yeah, the effect uh, of of that is, I kind of grew up. I you know, there's a time, there's an age, and I almost hate this admit it, but you just accept it. You know, you accept what you see, and so, and it's normal. Okay, so seeing people shaking or running around the church, um, having what they call, um, what do they call them? Uh, Zion, not Zion marches. What do they call them? Um, what was the city that fell down? Boy, I'm great. Jericho. Jericho marches. You know, I never understood the, the concept of Jericho march. If you're not familiar with the story, uh, the Israelites are told to march around a, a city with huge, uh, insurmountable walls for seven days, I believe. And on the seventh day, they're supposed to walk around seven times, once a day, uh, you know, one through six, but the seventh day, seven times, and then shout and uh, pl- blow the trumpets and that the walls would fall down. Okay, and of course that's what they did. That's the end of the story. And now we celebrate that apparently, or or whatever, by marching around inside a church, not outside. Some people celebrate. Yeah, not that. everybody. I'm sorry, it's not like uh, it's communion not, or baptism. It's, it's not, not mainstream. Yeah, this is just happens randomly, and that's just what they call it. But people march around the church inside the church, and I, I've always worried the walls will fall down. Yeah, that's. I not- don't get the. Not really what you're going for. Well, and, and I can understand a victory march. You know, if, if you're, you know, I, I, don't, I don't diss people for the way they, they, they express their, their feelings toward their deity there, G, the big G-O-D. Um, but I do question what we're thinking when we do it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Call it a victory march. But a Jericho march, I don't want to be crushed Mm-mm. by the beams of, uh, of, of, your a, church. of a beautiful chapel. No. It's just not something. Anyway, point being, um, I, I accepted a lot of it, and it was just normal. Um, as I grew and started, you know, developing critical thinking, uh, I'd love to say that was in sixth, seventh, eighth grade, like most kids, but mine was probably nine, ten, eleven, eleventh grade, uh, not age. Uh, I started finding holes in the in the thing. Um, I guess I'd always seen it, but I never attributed it to religion because I just I saw them as separate things almost. And that's the way my family was. It was religion. That was the way we acted on Sunday. And then there was real life. And honestly, between you and me, people, I think that's the main reason why people leave Christianity and religion in general. It's because they don't see a connection between it and real life. Even had a conversation with my barber the other day, and he says, I don't have... Uh, I don't have time to go to church because of all the things that are going on in my life. And I said, well, that's why you got to find a church that helps you with all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that was a weird concept to him. Anyway, uh, and what I say with, I, I saw inconsistencies. I don't know, I, I, on the way home, um, the service was measured by how it made you feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually there was a lot of critiquing going on. I didn't feel anything during the worship service, or my spirit didn't witness with that scripture, or when brother so-and-so did this, so there's this critiquing of everything, and hmm. it was all based on how you felt about it. And that, honestly, was really big there in the 80s. Uh, the charismatic movement, the name it, claim it, you know, swinging from the chandeliers, extremism of, of, of a hyper-faith light on theology and, and obedience and spiritual disciplines and, and heavy on experience mm-hmm. and, revel- How it made and you new, feel. yeah and new revelation mm-hmm. whether it was in the Bible or not you know really? God could talk to you and tell you things that were new mm-hmm. and um, and that was part of it I've never heard of that yeah well that started probably in the 60s and 70s I mean that's how Jonestown and stuff like that gets started somebody has a revelation 
you know, from God and un, un people that a possibly drug induced revelation, well, true <laughs> but uh, people that don't have enough brain power to balance it against scripture and see if it, you know, and check for themselves as the word of God tells us to do itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, people don't do that and they just follow along. Of course, I kind of feel like these are the same people that follow fall for Nigerian scams. Mm-hmm. I am a prince, and I need to I deposit need to s- seventy-five thousand yeah. blessings in your account. And and if you just send me back sixty of them, you yeah. can keep the fifteen. Yeah, there's a processing fee, um, and we release the funds. But I need to pay a bribe. Yeah. 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 So, um, so yeah, I don't know. Let me let, let's get you caught up to to high school. Um. Well, both of us kind of grew up in this this um, '80s Christian thing. Um, kind of went through the thing where where all '80s music was bad. Oh yeah, and evil. Yeah, backward masking was real big. Yeah, and that kind of came up, which I didn't hear a lot about that until. Oh man, probably my, we moved to Georgia. I did. My parents had me watch something on PTL. That was Jim oh, Baker's wow. network. Mm-hmm. Scared the living crizzle cakes out really? of me. Oh my gosh, I couldn't sleep literally for a month <laughs> because you had to watch about backward masking. So it was like learn to smoke marijuana, and uh, you know another one bites the dust. And then even what they said forward, you know, they just went. And I believed everything. Mm-hmm. I believed everything. And so even the song "Die Young, Stay Pretty," um, and even "Man Eater." Oh, here she comes. She's really? a man eater. That I, I didn't was know bad? it was. A, I didn't. Well, I didn't know it was. Oh, a, you thought it was a real man eater? Yes. Oh. There was a lady eating men, and wow. it was the grossest thing, and it just you tortured me. You were way me. too sheltered. I was. But um, the the big thing that I hated as as a kid, you mm-hmm. know, that this was a big 80s thing with most, most churches, was they didn't celebrate Halloween. Uh, Halloween was yeah. the devil's day. And, no, you know, if you're a good Christian, you did not celebrate Halloween. Mm-hmm. And my parents, you know, I, I don't think they were insane, but they just kind of went along with that movement. Yeah. And I hated it. We we would not answer the door. We'd, like, hide from people. And my parents, they did, you know, to their credit, they would always try, like, they'd take us out of school that day whenever they had the Halloween parties. And they would um, try to take us somewhere, like, to the zoo or, you know, different places. To church. To pray. To church, you know. <laughs> And they really did try to make it, right. but I could never get past the fact that we were missing out on something. It always seems so cool. Well, and the zebras don't really give out really good candy. No, and that's the thing. I mean, yeah, but I thought it'd be so cool to dress up and so cool to get candy, and we never did my whole childhood. Well, see, my mom got saved, I, I guess, a little later in life, and so I remember both sides. We did do Halloween when I was mm-hmm. very young, and then all of a sudden she goes to this new church, and we stopped, and it was of the devil, and I remember in high school specifically one time um see we didn't just not answer the door my mom's idea of evangelizing was to make sure and let people know that they were sinning by celebrating halloween or anything whatever it was if it was if it was at a restaurant and somebody was smoking it was like (coughs) boy i'm glad i don't smoke because that you know whatever whatever she just make sure she was preaching to the air um, but, uh, yeah, I remember she, um, she would open the door and we don't celebrate Halloween. We're Christians. Slam it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And all these little kids are like, oh, Christian too. At least I thought it was. Was she a witch? Well, and everybody walked away from there going, if that's a Christian, I don't want to be one. No, it doesn't look like any so fun at all. one night I, I was actually getting ready for a, 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 a play. I think I was doing, I was dressed as an old man and I'd done up my skin and all this. And I heard a knock at the door and a bunch of kids, you could just hear them. And I ran to the door to beat my mom mm-hmm. so that. So that she, they wouldn't have to deal. And I was just embarrassing. And I opened the door and I said, hey, guys, I'm sorry. but And before I could even finish it, all these kids look up at my face. They scream bloody murder. <laughs> eyes popped out and they start running. And I went after them, not to scare them at all. Honestly, I'd forgotten about my face. I just didn't want them running out in the street. I was like, no, no, stop. So oh, that made it even scary scared. old man's like, no, stop. <laughs> <laughs> what about Jesus? Uh, you know. That's like when you, um, this is completely unrelated, but uh, when you were hiding that one time and then you felt bad about scaring and me. tried to get up so and grunted. you stood up and grunted and that was so much scarier than if you jumped out at me. <laughs> so, anyway. so yeah, they're, they're just a lot of negative stuff. See, Christianity to me as a child was more about what you couldn't do. Yeah, that's definitely me too. Than what you got to do. And so there was this focus on things. And then my mom also was really, really big into demons. 
not worshiping them, but um, and that was an '80s thing too. I think a charismatic thing is everything was a demon here, yeah. a demon there, a demon. I'd never heard of that. And it, well, it was hand in hand with the faith movement that mm-hmm. if you had a positive confession, anything you wanted, you could have. And it was Just, very Americanized too, because mm-hmm. people were claiming cars and this, that, and the other, and healing. But but the negative did it work? Of course not. But I mean, they just kept on though. Well, and that's where I started finding the holes because the problem was if if all right, say you had complete faith mm-hmm. and you prayed for someone and they still died, then they had to explain it away, mm-hmm. and so it became oh, they must not either a have had enough faith. Mm-hmm. Because faith heals people, right? Not your faith in what God does. Faith became an object of itself. Mm-hmm. Faith became a noun instead of a verb, you know? And so if you had enough faith, then you could do it yourself. Sounds a lot like Christian science, honestly, uh, because your confession and your 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 concept and perception of reality versus, uh, you know, spiritual reality. Anyway... And the other problem uh, was if, if it wasn't faith thing, it was hidden sin. Mm-hmm. And so automatically, if you had something you claimed, especially publicly, and it didn't happen or didn't work, you were automatically sort of ostracized because you must have hidden sin. And the funny thing is, as an adult, I'm like, all sin is hidden. <laughs> you know, unless oh, you're yeah, a drunkard everybody. on the side of the road. <laughs> yeah. You know, trying to trying to uh, whistle you're at women when you go by, drug you know, dealer. Yeah. You're, you're Most sin. sins are hidden, so that was kind of ridiculous. Well, and if you think about it, I mean, everybody has quote unquote hidden sin. Everybody's right. done something wrong that they're not, you know, yelling you know, about it. I was reading through Psalms the other day, and and David's talking about, you know, God, forgive me for the things that I knowingly do wrong, and then he he says something to the effect of, forgive me for the unknown sins, mm-hmm. the things that that he doesn't that we don't even. That I don't even realize, you know, that I do that offend you and others. Uh, you know, go ahead and forgive me for all those too, and that's that's awesome. It's a it's a very balanced view of of the reality of who people are. Um, I believe this. See, because what what happens is when with the belief of of the people I went to church with, that one speck of doubt was stronger than all the faith in the world. But the Bible I read says that faith the size of a mustard seed is enough to move a mountain. Mm -hmm. God will take anything he can get, and he can change your life with just a speck of belief. Right. Um, I also look at like the three Hebrew boys, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown into a fiery furnace. They would not have belonged in my church because they said this. They said, uh, our God is able to save us, basically uh, paraphrasing here. Our king, he was about to throw them into this burning furnace for not bowing to an idol. He says, uh, king, our God is able to save us. But even if he doesn't, mm-hmm. we're not going to bow. See, that statement would have been a, uh, lack a, a, a lack of faith statement, even if he doesn't. See, my church was like, you can't even say that. You can't say anything other than the positive. You can't believe or even let thoughts like that enter into your head because it will counteract what God's going to do. And so what does that do to a child? It trains you that darkness is stronger than light. Even a tiny bit of darkness, where the Bible I read says that that you yourself can mess up anything God wants you to do. Yeah, actually, even if you have the best intentions in the world, you could accidentally, you know, think of something. You can mess up the plans of God. Yeah, think of something weird. Even if you want it to happen, even if you believe in God, if you have one question mark in your head, so that generated either people like me who rebelled against it, or a bunch of people that unquestioningly followed their leadership. Mm-hmm. And that, that was, was ahead of them because that teaches because, you not to question. Right, you, you can't doubt to, what you're what you're hearing. You weren't, weren't allowed to think critically about anything. It was well, ridiculous. I even remember when we first met. I mean, you you were real, and I know it was just ingrained in you. But if I said something like, "I have a headache," I'd say, "Don't claim it. Don't yeah. claim that." And that's what I heard a lot, all the time. You couldn't say. have a headache because if you it, you had to say you didn't have one. Even if you and, and you know what they exploding. call it? They call it double speak. It's it's out of straight out of 1983, mm-hmm. where you say things that don't mean anything, or or even mean the opposite. It's spinning, and mm-hmm. it's not even it's not even it doesn't even logically make sense. But but the concept was taken out of 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 a of the, it's a biblical concept to have a positive confession, meaning mm-hmm. saying and believing, you know, whatever is good, whatever is holy, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Think on these 
things. So they took these things and they focused on those scriptures to the point they made an entire, almost a sub-religion out of it. And there is, a, there, anybody will tell you, from Eastern religion all the way to God stuff, they'll tell you a positive confession is good for you. Laughter does good like a medicine. Well, it's, yeah. a, it's not only biblical scripture, it's documented proof. But I, I believe God's... I believe my faith in God outweighs any doubts. If anything, the fact that I believe in spite of my doubts makes my faith stronger. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I think so. I think so, too. Yeah. I think God knows that we're human beings and that we screw up. That's why he invented forgiveness, not just salvation. Mm-hmm. Okay? So we could kind of maintain right. some sort of remnant of holiness before we die. Um, and I believe... That um, I believe God allows us to have question marks. Mm-hmm. The Bible literally says to taste and see that the Lord is good. It says test and approve, and it says uh, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. These aren't these aren't blind uh, follow me to heaven concepts. These are things that say wrestle with this, struggle with this. Matter of fact, one of the best sermon titles I've ever heard. It, it was called. It was about Jacob wrestling with the angel of the face of God, a.k.a. a pre-incarnate Jesus Christ uh, on, on a hill all night wrestling with him. And then the, the angel touches him on the hip, you know, basically dislodges his hip and escapes. And he walks with a limp for probably for the rest of his life. And the, script, the sermon title was called, you know, I don't trust anyone that doesn't walk with a limp. And the, the point being that if you haven't wrestled with God and the things of God and, and, and conscience and belief, then you don't really have a very good faith. Mm-hmm. You, it's, like, it's like a relationship with, with, a, with your wife. If you've never fought, you don't have a very deep relationship. Because it's never been tested. Yeah. And, and you don't. You're, you're obviously holding stuff back. Well, or rem- you're not, you know, you just don't care. Reminds me of another scripture that the Bible talks about the testing and trying of your faith is more precious than gold. It's the concept of refining gold. And and every time you melt it down, you're, you're working out and scraping off the impurities. Yeah. And that's what life is with a, a life of faith is supposed to be. Some people float through it, and they're, they're and I think they're impractical. I think they're fake. I think they they live on cloud nine, and I worry about them because mm-hmm. those the, those are the same people that judge you and look down their nose at you. And then there's people that struggle like me and Jen do with our faith. I believe a hundred percent because you know I've struggled through so much that some stuff I don't have to struggle through anymore. I believe it. Just like when I sit down in my office chair, the first couple of times I might doubt it, but after a while I just plop down. I don't even think about it because right. I trust the chair. There's some things in my life I don't have to question anymore. But I'm going to tell you, when God asks us to do something like move halfway across the country or not buy a house or sell one and move, or I mean that kind of stuff rocks your world. Mm-hmm. And you really pray, does. and you struggle, and you fight, and you doubt. But at the end of it all, you still do what you're supposed to do. Right. And God rewards you for it. Well, there's there's nowhere in the Bible where it teaches you to abandon your own critical thinking. Yeah. And that's what a lot of those, you know, strange kind of offshoot religions do. Is they want you to just accept unquestionably whatever doctrine they're throwing out. Well, somebody out there is going to be a critic, and they're going to say... Well, doubt. Okay, um, the Bible says a lot about not doubting. It says about a lot about it, and it really does. But every time it's referencing doubt, it's talking about the time. Every scripture that I could find about doubt references the the Israelites in the um, in the desert when they were faced with no water, and they hounded and hounded Moses to the point that Moses struck a rock instead of speaking to it. Water did come out. Blah blah blah. God really didn't like that very much because here's a situation where he freed his people after hundreds of years of captivity, split the Red Sea wide open, provided all these different things and deliverance, and they still doubted God. They Mm -hmm. could see a cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. They still doubted. That made him mad. That's doubt. Questioning, I believe, is completely separate. Doubt is when God has done everything in his power to prove himself to you, and you still look right in his eyes and say, I still don't believe. Mm-hmm. I can't trust you. I trust myself and my strength more than yours. That's doubt, and that's wrong. Um, but questions, to me, is when God hasn't had the opportunity or taken the opportunity or been allowed the opportunity to reveal himself to you 
and a question allows him to answer. Doubt shuts him off. So, you know, you're going to have to forgive us if I use that word. What I mean is question marks. Mm-hmm. There's a difference. There is. And, and, and being open to the option that he won't is not doubt. Like, like the three Hebrew boys, even if he doesn't. Right. You know, and, and that's what hurt me, I think, growing up is I prayed for people. Dear God, even at funerals, I would look at dead people in a coffin and I would pray for them and I would believe with all my guts Please, please back. get out of that coffin and show and prove to me that some of this stuff is true. And of course, we'd put them in the ground, and, and my my heart would just crumble mm-hmm. because I was taught that faith itself was something. God is able to raise people from the dead. I believe that He is able to heal, and and even even a critic would say, uh, if He's able to create us. It makes sense that he would be able to fix us. Mm-hmm. Healing doesn't take a lot of faith, honestly. If you believe he created you, fixing is easy. Uh, the problem comes in when you believe that that your faith is based on 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 performance somehow. Mm-hmm. That if you don't see the evidence of it, that it didn't happen, and and so you say God didn't do it, so he must not be able to. And there's a difference there. I know I'm getting pretty deep. I'm sorry. Yeah. But, but we've moved into the effect of what this stuff has had on me. And basically, in a nutshell, it's had the effect on me of, of very, very much being sure of what I believe, as sure as I can be. And it's not something that is always done with a Bible and a notebook or a professor. Um, it's done by knowing what the Bible says and living it out and obeying and seeing the consequences of uh not obeying or the benefits of obeying. Right. And I I think for me, um, you know, just some of the the legalisms that, that I kind of experienced as a kid, it makes me really want to examine any, you know, anything that comes up and think, okay, are are my kids really going to be hurt by being exposed to this or, or is it just going to cause them, you know, kind of give them the idea that, that Christianity is, is just, dumb, you know, or, you know, something, I shouldn't say dumb, but you know what I mean, where it's like a a strike against it. And it's like, is it, does it really make sense for me to restrict something that is really pretty minor and doesn't really matter? Right. You know, should I focus more on teaching them about God than about what they can't do? I think that's the key. Yeah. You, you focus on God. I don't know. The, the, well, you focus on God, and then by default, anything that's not of God becomes repellent to the person. Mm-hmm. A, a friend of mine um, went to visit a counterfeit guy, a guy that that studied um, or that was he worked at the treasury or whatever, mm-hmm. and his job was to train people to spot counterfeits. Mm-hmm. And you would think what he would do is he'd get all these different counterfeits and put them up and have people study them, but he didn't. He didn't have a single counterfeit bill. He had them meticulously memorize every single part of a real hundred, a real twenty. Obviously, because if they knew that thing so well, they would be able to start a, spot a fake from a hundred miles away. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the way, I think that's the boat we need to get on with our kids is we, we just focus on God himself and a relationship with him. And you let, yes, you guide them and train them and da, 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 da. But you focus on that instead of, I, I don't know, I grew up on demons and the devil, staying away from something, mm-hmm. um, you know, staying out of hell rather than the benefits of a life with God. Right. Yeah, it focuses on the wrong thing. You know, it's like I've even even heard about somebody, you know, d- didn't want to have a Pepsi machine in their church because of something Pepsi supports. And it's like, does that really matter? No, you know, no. I mean, it's Is just anybody like, going to go to hell because they drink a Pepsi? Right. I hope not because I didn't drink diet cherry Pepsi. <laughs> if anybody would, it would like be it's you. it's going then. out of style. But um, if anybody's going to hell, <laughs> save me a chair. <laughs> me and my Pepsi will be there. Yeah. But um, I mean, it's just like you've totally missed the point if you're that concerned about things. You know, there's just so many things out there that that don't matter in the big scheme of things and to harp and, and like you said, to focus on that kind of thing or even focusing on negative things like right. demons and the devil is just harmful. That's probably scared you way more than the scariest horror movie. I believe demons mm-hmm. were everywhere and, mm-hmm. and that they were going to get me. And I, 
I believed more in the power of my enemy than I did in God. Mm-hmm. It was ridiculous. I seriously grew up so afraid. I bet. So very afraid. To, to this day, I will tell you, if I walk into a dark church, I'm freaked out. My mom told me that when the Christians leave, the demons come in because they can't come in when the, the Christians are there. <laughs> and so I'm 36 years old. If I walk into a dark bathroom, I'm like, hello, demons. I'm coming in. You have to leave. I never connected the fact that if I was there, then they would, in, according to my yeah. mom's theory, they would have to go. Um, but but anyway, yeah, I mean, I was scared to death. Scared to death of it all. Yeah. And... Um, what that what that turned into was an 18-year-old person that was finally out from under it all. And I believed, thank God, I believed enough to where I, be- I had enough vacation Bible school and Sunday school to hold on to the fact that I believed it was a God, I believed in Jesus, but the rest of that stuff was crap. Mm-hmm. It was fake, in my opinion. Fake, fake, fake. Whether it was or not, I believed it. I believed that. And I know now... It was probably the first time God ever spoke to me, and, and that's a tr- phrase that trips people up. It trip, tripped me up like mad. When God speaks to me, it's a thought that comes in my mind that I do not hear out loud, but I know it makes too much sense for my stupid brain to have thought of it on my own. Mostly because usually it's stuff I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's too hard, and it, I would, I'd be too kind to myself. But in this case, I was too green to even recognize. I thought it was my own thought, and I thought I was pretty smart. So here I'm going, that was all fake. And this thought came to my head that basically said, pretty much everything you saw was fake. And I was like, yeah. And then the next part was, um, but everything that's fake is imitating something real. Mm-hmm. It's imitating something real. And I said, I'm going to hold out for that. For the real stuff. And what that did is it opened my mind again and my heart to experiencing things, but testing and approving of them. And I'm still on that journey today. Like mm-hmm. I said, m- much of it has been tested and approved. And, and a lot of it, though, a lot of it, more th- more than not, has has been thrown out with the dishwater, like you said. A lot of opinions and 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 non, you know, maybe denominational views or things that are non essentials. That's what we call it. There's essentials and non essentials. I believe Jesus died. I believe he was, you know, born of a virgin. I believe you know that he rose after three days. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in all of these different things. I believe in healing. I believe there's a life after this. I believe in the rapture. I believe in all the freaky stuff that all the people think we're crazy for. Um, but I also believe in a very grounded reality. I don't know, head in the clouds, feet on the ground type of thing. Mm-hmm. That anything that doesn't change my life is crud. Mm-hmm. And I think I got through that because I did bus ministry for three years. Once you see who, people that are really struggling and going through stuff, anything that doesn't change their life on the backseat of a bus is crud. Yeah. And the color of your hymn books and how many stained glass panels you have in your church doesn't really matter. And whether you have cigarettes in front of your church or not, whether you know whether you sing hymns or choruses, none of that matters to people that are suffering. Mm-hmm. None of that matters to a cancer patient or an AIDS victim. None of that matters. It's whether you know God and know enough to be able to share Him. And if you have the same kind of love that drew you to Christ, if you can share that same love with other people rather than holding Christianity over your head like a like a like a brat that has more presence than somebody else rather than holding it out as a gift to share like we're supposed to. So, what has my legalism's done? It's turned me into a real Christian. I you know, I don't know if I'm the example. I I'm, I'm screwed up. I've got yeah, problems and issues. I get angry and I yell at people at Walmart. <laughs> Only once in a while. I make little kids cry on my first Sunday in James or a kid city. Um, I make mistakes. I'm not yeah. perfect. I hate making hospital visits. <laughs> and I got in trouble this week. Why you were supposed to make one? Nah, I, it, I wasn't named, but it's me. <laughs> uh-huh. I, I'm just so dang nervous. I don't know. It's just the thing with me. But uh, So I'm not perfect. And, I, you know, I don't walk around like I'm all that. Um, but maybe that's why. I, you know, I feel like I'm doing it halfway right. Because I'm not perfect. I'm not doing it halfway right. You know, it's it's about God's strength and the fact that even a little bit of light outshines the dark. You know, even a little bit. A little bit of faith moves mountains. And, uh, you know, I don't know. Not every Christ, not every T-shirt I have has to be have Christianity all over it. Matter of fact, I don't even have one. No, you don't have I don't have Christian a single picture of Jesus in my house. Not a single mm-hmm. cross on the wall. Um, we do have a Thomas Kincaid picture in our bathroom. 
It's actually on the floor in our oh. room. <laughs> we haven't put any pictures up. Well, it was up in our old house, by God. It was. Every Christian has to have a Thomas Kincaid picture. I don't have a Christian fish on my checkbook or my car. Mostly because you don't have a checkbook, but... <laughs> and I don't have a car. Uh, I do. I do. <laughs> you do. It doesn't work. Um, but, but see, those are the things... I don't do those probably because that's all Christianity was in my childhood, mm-hmm. was those things. Yeah. I would rather have people look at my life and see Jesus than look at my T-shirt. Mm-hmm. I've never worn a WWJD bracelet. Well, and definitely, I mean, all that extra stuff and it that that Christians seem to fight about, and it's, it's a big deal within the church, yeah. especially in the Bible Belt. Um, it doesn't really matter, especially when you see people, like you said, you see people on the streets, like, you go to Mexico and you see people without houses and, you know, living in mm-hmm. garbage dumps. Sleeping with pigs in the mud. They're they're not going to win a car. Mm-hmm. I don't care what you do. You know, the God's well, they not, can't claim their They way. can't claim a car. Yeah. They can't, you know, the, God's not going to give them that kind of stuff. Right. And, you know, in America, we, we think that, that uh, you know, we... Well, see, God doesn't promise that. See, I learned no. that faith was like a magic wand or a, or a genie mm-hmm. or a Santa Claus thing. that You could ask whatever you wanted. I've learned that faith isn't believing for God to do whatever you want Him to do. Faith is believing God will do what He said He will do. And He said He would provide for our needs. He said that I've never seen the righteous forsaken or or the, the people's children begging for bread. Christians that are living right are not—they have a promise. Mm-hmm. He never said he would give you a million-dollar home and a Humvee. Right. He never said you'd have the nicest clothes and a big, fat gold chair to sit in and, and broadcast your signal all over, all over the world. Um, and it, honestly, you know, there's been many times where God has asked us to make choices that actually don't, you know, don't bring us any money or bring us less money. Get us know? audited. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so, I mean, it's like... It's like some of the stuff that people preach and, and people push. It's like you don't even want to get rich because God might ask you to give it all away. And that's yeah. way harder than if you're poor. And, you know, so it's like. I know it's weird because my whole life I remember I'd read the Bible for myself and I'd find out about rich men having a hard time getting into heaven mm-hmm. and how God asked rich men to give away everything they wanted. He was kind of down on rich men, you know. Yeah. And. um and yeah, people with leprosy, people that were poor, they they were they got ahead in the stories. But yet, I would watch the te- television and listen to the tapes and go to the church and hear that God wanted exactly the opposite for all of us. Right. And um, and that just never meshed, never meshed. No. So you know, I don't know how did it affect us, and and did we go through a period where we questioned our faith? Absolutely. I think everybody does, especially kids who grow up in church. Yeah. I think they definitely, you know, some it's more drastic than others. But the thing is, you know, with kids is they will accept the faith of their parents and the faith of their peers for a while because, right. you know, one, they don't think critically. So they don't really even realize how to test it or even, you know, they'll, they just accept what they're right. told. And it's a great thing. But they do have to come a point where that faith is not their moms and dads or that faith is theirs and hit that point. I mean, a lot of times they have to rebel or have to at least well, see, question. I, I don't think that's absolutely necessary. I think what happens though is Christian families over shelter their kids mm-hmm. and they do, they, the kids don't have a faith of their own. They, they piggyback off their parents and, you know, statistically we lose 85 to 90% of people from the church when they turn 18. Mm-hmm. My belief is that we lose them in sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, but they have to go to church until they leave the house and go to college. Mm-hmm. I believe that mentally they start checking out about the same time I did in, mm-hmm. in middle school or high school. When they start critically thinking. And it just doesn't make sense. And that's because kids will do what you say only up to a point, and then they're going to start doing what you do. And if they don't see Jesus Christ making a change in your life once you walk out of that building called the church... They never see Christ in your life and in your checkbook and in your decisions and in your attitudes and your responses and your attitude, you know, in, in your bad moods and good moods. Um, if they never see you struggle, uh, if they never walk in and accidentally catch you praying or reading your Bible, if, if they walk in and, and catch you doing things you're not supposed to do on the computer, those kinds of things are going to stick with them and help them decide whether they believe it or not. Right. And that's why, as a children's pastor, a big part of my job is really being very practical with kids. I mean, even at the point of doing altar calls, you know, because altar calls are a big deal 
in in both the Baptist Church and but especially in in the denominations I was in, I'm very clear that you know it's just a prayer, it's just a decision. When you when you ask God to do something, he you know nine times out of ten you know he 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 wants to help us to do it. You know he'll mm-hmm. forgive us and all that. We don't have to do anything to earn that. But you know say say I'm a I'm a cookieaholic and I eat cookies all the time. I can pray all I want to. But if I don't if I don't walk walk home and throw all my cookies in the trash, ain't a whole lot God can do. Right. And so um, anyway, all that to say, it's just made us very down to earth, very practical. Mm-hmm. And um, and I want I want my kids to challenge. I'm you know I'm never going to push my kids to make a decision for Christ. I am going to lead an example, and and pray to God that I can trust the uh, the the Word of God that says if I raise up a child in the, in the way he should go when he's old he will not depart from it. Not if you force a child kicking and screaming into your church. Not if you shove it down their throat and tell them they're going to go to hell if they do this and watch Harry Potter or anything else. It, it, play Pokemon and you know there's always some devil thing. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing I hated. Yeah, all the fun stuff. <laughs> yeah, all the fun stuff. Masters of the Universe, Smurfs. It's only the stuff Scooby-Doo, that's really popular. <laughs> all of it's of the devil. And there's always mm-hmm. going to be that. There's Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh and blah, blah, blah. And that's why I don't preach. Like a lot of my children's pastor peers, they preach social stuff. They preach against pop culture. Mm-hmm. I don't do that. That's that's parents' job. If they if they have a problem with it, I'm fine with that. If it's wrong for you and your family, that's great. But to me, it falls in the line of the non-essentials. Yeah. It's not going to keep somebody out of heaven. Nope. So Halloween's just costumes and candy in our house. Mm-hmm. We're not celebrating the devil. You know, some people think dragging a tree in your house at Christmas time is of the devil. Yep. Um, I'm I'm kind of grateful for the pagans because of all their sins. Yeah, they had cool cool ideas about Christmas with the trees. So you know, symbols mean what you want them to mean. Anyway, we could go on all night. As you can tell, I'm pretty passionate about it. Thank you, Emma. Um, as far as uh, sharing our faith, um, it's 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 a lot easier when you're really living it than when you're trying to sell it. Mm-hmm. Um, I get really nervous when I have to sell something. I, I tried to sell vacuum cleaners one time. wasn't very good at it. Selling Jesus, not not real easy. Uh, what I found is when I get really excited about it, and when I really really experience something good, I share it naturally. Like when you saw a really good movie, you tell people about it. Mm-hmm. When your aunt drops a thousand dollars on you because she died, you tell people about it. And when God does something great in your life, you you tell people about it. And that's that's just the telling part. The rest of it is just living it, and um, and being different than the world, being in the world but not of the world. And that doesn't come because you act like a Christian. That that happens because you trust and obey church, Bible reading, trying daily to live out your Christian life, and somehow magically, God grows fruit in your life. Things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and yes, even self control. And people see that, and they wonder, how the heck can I get some of that? Um, so instead of a person with signs and wonders, become a wonderful sign of what God could be. Yep. Wasn't that beautiful? That was so beautiful. Put that in a book. Let's get it on the satellite network as soon as possible. Hey, let's do a quick product review. It's kind of a, a, a step down from our topic, but Jen, um, Jen bought... Kellogg's Smart Start Strawberry Oat Bites this week. Um, how how did they taste, Jen? Because the name says it all to me. But go ahead. Well, let me preface this by the idea that I like Frosted Mini Wheats. Okay. I like cereal like Cashy cereal. I like Fiber One. Can I be? Can I say that Cashy looks like dog and cat food mixed I together? <laughs> it's okay. Anyway, I I like the healthy cereal. I'm pretty. Um, I'll eat a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Don't mind this I, stuff. I think smart cereal is of the devil and, and shows a lack of faith. Anyway, um, but bad, this wait, let me finish. Causes this. bad confessions. That's right. This stuff was so incredibly nasty. <laughs> smart start strawberry oat bites nasty. Gosh, <laughs> it did not taste like strawberry. The oat bites were. I like shredded wheat. This was just wrong. Do you know who bites oats? Horses. <laughs> well, these horses need this stuff because it's horrible. <laughs> what did it taste like? It just 
tasting like moosh. I don't know. I couldn't even eat it. And I, I like shredded wheat. See, what you should have done, you should have brought the box up and have me taste it because I am very picky. Yes, and you're very descriptive. It tastes like dog. What did it taste like, though? Could you, could you, I mean, was um, it grainy? Was it gritty? Was it the texture? It looks like frosted mini wheats. Okay. But when so you, it's frosted on one side? No, it's not frosted. Ooh. It looks like mini wheats, I okay. should say. No frosting. Okay. Well, these strawberries, which I thought those like strawberry inside them. Yeah, like a Pop-Tart. No, there's like a little speckles of strawberries throughout the, and you can't taste strawberries it. Strawberries are not supposed to be speckled. Well, you can't taste them. And you just bit into it, and it had no, it didn't have the mini wheat texture. It had like a mush. I don't know. It's like, it was like eating straw. It's mm. pretty much like eating straw. It was terrible. Mm, but so good for you. Now, I have to admit, though, I did buy these off of the Walmart clearance area. Gee, so. that should have been like a telling uh, Yeah, it should have. But I thought that they would be fine. I thought people just didn't really like healthy cereal. It's like buying cereal off Woot.com. Well, it wasn't something. old. It just apparently wasn't a good seller. So anyway. <laughs> uh, so there's our product review. Kellogg's Smart Start. Strawberry Oat Bites. Mmm. That's such a long name. <laughs> For such a great cereal. <laughs> uh, we have an Ask Jen question today. It comes from Skippy. Jen, how did you get so awesome? Did you make that up? I did. <laughs> That's what I thought. Are you Skippy? <laughs> yes. <laughs> This is actually a question for James. <laughs> James, how did you become so awesome? Oh, I married somebody awesome. Love Skippy. No, how, how did you become so awesome? I'm not really that awesome. I think you are. I think you're awesome. For all the joking I do, Jenna is pretty awesome. Well, thanks. And uh, we've come a long way together, uh, looping back around to uh, to our faith. We've come a long way together. And one thing I can say... The, the thing that matters the most uh, that does bind us together, the thing we do have in common is our faith. Um, I would say we're, we've always been on a level plane, meaning uh, you know it's never been a situation where I feel like I'm lagging behind her or her behind me. We've always been hand in hand through this whole journey. And um, it, it, there's a heck of a lot of benefits to being on the same page spiritually. Um, you know, I, I, I know at a time in our life, Jen was definitely ahead of me mm-hmm. but um now i'm definitely in the driver's seat and um i she does everything i tell her to do wow. especially if i use god's name i just tell her god wants you to make waffles really and uh i didn't even and know she you says i doubt that and i said don't claim it and then wow. the demons come <laughs> yeah <laughs> you <laughs> doubt yeah because there is a you, harry potter dvd hidden under the couch you and doubt the- we've yet to sprinkle it with oil Mm-hmm. Let me just say this too. Will uh, that help? As a child, no. As a child, uh, there was a there was a book. Okay, we're going to get emails on this because anybody that knew about this book it was a big thing. It was called Pigs, Pigs in the Parlor. Pigs in the Parlor. Thank you. And it was the main book I think that started the whole thing. And it had the scariest '60s retro cover you've ever seen <laughs> in your life. It. These two evil-looking pigs with scary eyes, with like these circles coming off of them, with a red cover. And it sat in my hallway in the darkest part of the hallway, oh, wow. and scared the poop out of me every single day of my childhood. I bet. And that's a scary book. So when I got older, when I started all this questioning, I'm like, I'm going to read this thing. And I, I picked it up, and the first opening preface says something about warning. The devil and his demons do not want you to read this book. He will try everything to kill you. I was like, Psh, I ain't dealing with that. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I do not need any more problems. I'm a teenager mm-hmm. already. And I just want Jesus to wait the devil prevailed. until I get married before he comes oh. back. So that you know, every every I know what every boy's prayer is: Jesus, don't come back until I've had sex at least one time. Oh my gosh! <laughs> what a married people show. It's okay to say that. Oh Lord, let's get out of here though. You are awesome though, Skippy. Thanks for that question, Emma. Thank you for yours, and I hope you enjoyed this insight. I would imagine this would be interesting to people that, that probably more interesting to people that don't go to church. We probably ticked off all the Christians. And we've made all the non-Christians love us. That's so. okay. We're bound to tick off the Christians. We're not very good at that. No, we're not. We're not great Christians. Sorry. We're, we're not good. Not, not by the definition. We're not good in the Christian culture. There you go. We've been. At, I don't know. Our our other church, not so much in it. 
Not really Christian. No. Well, it's terrible because I'm, I'm hanging out with other pastors. They're like, have you heard of Humphrey Duda? And I'm like, no. Have you read anything by him? He's like a famous guy. And I'm like, no. <laughs> and they look at me like I'm a heathen because I don't. I don't move in that circle. You know, I don't know these people. You need to start moving. I know. I need to know who Humphrey Crimshaw is so Humph- I can Humphrey go to his, yeah, Humphrey Duda, so I can go to his, his revelation station and get touched by the Jesus. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, thank you so much for joining us. It is time for, oh, goodness, that's see a month later. <laughs> it's time for us to do another show. Hey, hey. Thank you, Jen. And uh, check out the website, geeklovesnerd.com. You can find forums and all kinds of fun, plus, you know, things like pictures and articles and blah blah Also, uh, check out, geek, or e- email us, by the way, geeklovesnerd at gmail.com. You can send us questions, ideas for shows, ask Jen questions, whatever, whatever. Call us. Two, I'm sorry, 9203-GLN-GLN. We'd love to hear from you. Till next time. Um, also, you can join us live, I'm sorry, on Tuesday nights at 9.30 p.m. Central and Eastern. I'm stupid. <laughs> we'll see you guys next time. Till next time, Jen, I loved you. I loved you, too. Go to meeting. <laughs>